Marketing is the most critical aspect of business. I put it right up there with innovation. Actually, as a matter of fact, those are really the two components of business, marketing and innovation. If you want to grow a business, marketing and innovation are the pieces. So in this video, I want to go over marketing. All the different topics that come to mind for me when I think about marketing. Because I don't think schools quite prepare you for marketing the way they can. I don't think businesses have all the knowledge that they need. So this is sort of like a marketing 101. And I've been in the marketing area for about 10 years, about 10 years. And then since the age of 18, so like 12 years, I've been involved with marketing as the field. I've seen a lot of different things and I just want to make a marketing video because it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating and I've been really behind the scenes tinkering away, researching, studying, analyzing what companies do, solving problems for companies. Um, I've worked for big companies, I've worked for small companies, I've worked for agencies. I've seen it all. So let's just talk about marketing. I made some notes on my laptop, but uh, this, isn't a, this isn't a full list of things, but these are elements. And who's going to find this video helpful? Well, anyone that wants to learn about marketing would find this useful. Anyone who's in business would find this useful. Anyone who is thinking about going into marketing for school will find this useful. I wish I had this information before I started school because then perhaps in university I would have realized I didn't really need a marketing degree to do marketing. In fact, if you're thinking about getting a degree in marketing, I don't think you really need it to build a business. You can build a business without a marketing degree. However, if you want to work for someone, it could be helpful. Let's break down a few elements that I think are important. Not just because they're in a textbook, but because they really are important. If we look at the marketing mix, it's the four Ps, the famous four Ps. Product, price, placement, promotion. So product is really the number one element. And I see so many businesses just ignoring this fact. Product is everything in the marketing mix. I mean, if you don't have a good product, everything else falls apart. It doesn't matter what you charge. It doesn't matter what your price is. So you want to make sure that your product has the best development you could possibly put into it because that is going to get the wheels rolling, okay? 
you can always look at the success of a business and look into why it is that they're not successful. You can probably drill down to the fact that it's maybe not the best product that it could be. Actually, if you look at crappy products versus amazing products, usually you don't see a marketing issue around amazing products. Truly amazing, helpful products don't have that marketing issue. But crappy products, how often do you see issues with crappy products? I look at like the bankruptcy of GM and I look at them and I'm like, you know, I could see why GM went bankrupt. They don't make the best cars in the world. In fact, they're not even second best, they're not even third best. I've driven GMs, I've driven the Chevrolet. Nothing but problems. No wonder they went bankrupt as a business. They weren't interested in making amazing products, and to this day, I still don't think they're interested in making good products. Then you look at other companies that seem to get through. They, they make, at the very least, good products. They're usually making amazing products. Ford? Say what you will about them, but they seem to just keep plugging away. I think it's because they do something in their product that stands out. The product development is there. Is it the best? No. But it's solid enough that it will carry it through, right? Now, I still think Ford's in trouble. So let's look at Tesla. Amazing product. Probably one of the best. If you drive it, you'll realize that every other vehicle is not as amazing. Although I haven't driven a Tesla. I've only heard that it's amazing. But... That product development, that amazing product, why is that related to marketing? Well, because that's how you get sales, is by having a good product. The product can sell itself if it's a good product. This is why product development is so critical. Yet, how many businesses do not put out a good website. Do not put out, because I look at a website almost like a product. Yes, it's an advertising tool, but it's also a product, especially if you're providing information on it. It should be an amazing website. And I'm not saying it has to look pretty. I'm saying it has to be functionally sound. It has to be fast. It, it, little elements that help with delivering on the product. And you look at Tesla, well, there's just so many elements that are better than the rest of the automotive industry. So naturally, they've worked on their product development, they've worked on their research to make the product amazing. That's what they've put their efforts into. They don't have to spend a bunch of money on promotion. The other P, advertising. Getting people to know who you are by sending out broadcasts, right? The thing is, I don't think it's as critical. If you get product down, you might not have to do as much promotion as everyone else. Get product down, promotion takes care of itself. 
but all the different ways of advertising i mean you can make sure that your website is optimized you can put out ads paid ads unpaid i'll talk about that a bit more but this is all the different ways to get in front of the customer right placement distribution where where is your product where do you want it to be Distribution methods. Well, you have Amazon. You can have like a e-commerce platform where you house your product. This is where you're distributing. You're distributing your product so people can check you out. All the different touch points. Where do you want to be? Where do you want your product to be? Price. How much is a consumer paying for this product that you have? Do you want to be like low price? You want to be high price? You want to be luxury, mid price? Like, where do you want to be? Ideally, the price is going to cover your costs, right? Cost of goods sold. You want your price to be higher than the cost of goods sold. Otherwise, it's going to be tough. You're going to be at a loss. Unless you're doing some sort of goodwill thing, trying to get out there, then you're going in thinking, well, this is going to be a loss, but down the road for brand building, this is great. And I'm all for that. Give away something for free. Do that. Give it away for free. Make it this free element. You're going to lose at the front end, but in the back end, you've gained loyal customers. Well, then you could say that the overall cost of goods sold is much less, depending on how you view a customer. How do you view a customer? What's the value of a customer? Lifetime customer value? That's important to know. Like if you think that your customer's worth $100, well, maybe it's worthwhile to give them like $50 worth of free items up front. If you know that's going to secure a good portion, conversions are important. Let's look at marketing roles. Uh, from the outside, you've got marketing consultants slash freelancers, people that perhaps specialize. Well, freelancers would probably specialize. Marketing consultants could handle a grand scheme of marketing but they also might specialize as well maybe they specialize in analytics or data or research or maybe they focus on the strategy end of marketing they come in as marketing consultants and they fix well i like to think they fix problems they look at inefficiencies and they point them out they provide advice they're kind of on that top end maybe they go in and they coach the team so they serve as like a marketing coach go in they coach the team they help them out so then they can function without the marketing consultant those are the consultants i like like i like the consultant that will go in solve the problem say hey i'm done like problem solved and then move on not so much of a fan of marketing consultants try to create projects that don't exist right uh, it's better to be a marketing consultant who's honest, who delivers on the project and delivers results, right? 
whether it's completion or number of conversions, goal of traffic increase, like um, maybe it's a transformation project and you're looking to automate some things. Well, how, how long is it going to take? You know, setting realistic goals, not just locking in a customer and then consulting for years and years and years and not seeing any results. Like, you want to get results out of a marketing consultant. That's, as a marketing consultant, that's how you should sort of aim to be. Chief marketing officer, the big wig in the company, the one that really has all the decisions happening, the very top end of the corporate structure, one of the C-suite executives, CMO, is highly underappreciated because I think it was something like 18 months. The average CMO stays on their position before they get let go. A lot of things fall on the CMO. If something bad happens, the CMO is usually to blame. Uh, they're quite connected to revenues. And if there's a program or a campaign that didn't work out, well, hey, let's, let's switch up the chief marketing officer, get, get some new campaigns in. It's an easy one to fix. Whereas, you know, the CFO, I mean, financials, financials are financials, right? It's like... It's pretty transparent. Usually if you're a CFO, you've got the job and you're doing a pretty good job and it's really straightforward structure. Uh, CMO, not so much. Chief Marketing Officer, the role's not 100% cut and dry, right? Marketing is so much more dynamic and that puts them at a risk, especially when Results aren't really happening. But they could handle many different aspects. Maybe they have a, they typically have a team. A team of maybe, you know, directors or managers. And those people also handle a team. It really depends on how big the company is. But, you know, the chief marketing officer typically has a team of reports. And then, you know, they, they should be more visionary in, in nature, but also today, data is so important with chief marketing officers. So they should have data at their fingertips, uh, and that's how they're going to make informed decisions. The reason why chief marketing officers maybe get let go is because they're not putting enough emphasis on data and, and making decisions based on that, because that at least helps their situation, right? If you're using the data... Maybe you're doing some paid ads. Well, if you're following the data, you can tell what's working, what isn't working. And if you do the right steps, then you can fix them. But without data, it's like, are you really tracking revenues? Are you really fixing things? Are you doing enough to measure everything? What gets measured gets managed, right? Um... And, and are your campaigns revolutionary enough? Are you involved in the product development? Because I actually think chief marketing officers 
one of the downfalls, another downfall, is that they don't get involved in product development. But that is very critical. And that also helps your advertising. If you know everything about the product, then that makes your job easier as a marketer because you can pull all this data about why this product is so much better than every other product out there. That is what you want. This is where being involved in the product development process, all the different aspects, so critical. That's how you become a good chief marketing officer. Also building the right team around you. Having an incredible team around you is so important. A team that's smarter than you, that knows more about marketing than you. Maybe you only know about um, unpaid promotional tactics. Well, then maybe you should have a bunch of people on your team that knows about paid tactics and knows about influencers. You should have people in your group that make up all these different things. Maybe someone who's very strategic should be with you on the team. You should have a good, well-rounded mix. It's very difficult to know everything, but chief marketing officers should at least know high-level aspects of a lot of the business, every different part of the business. That way they can uh, they can understand in meetings when conversations are happening. You know, I've been in meetings where, you know, maybe the CFO doesn't know anything about marketing, or maybe they do, or it's like their their level of knowledge in other areas is helpful. Well, same with the chief marketing officer. You want to know other areas. Marketing directors, just a you know, maybe a position that manages a division within a team or within a company. So marketing director might manage, I don't know, soft goods in a food company or whatever. So they'll handle that particular division. They'll be director of that. Marketing managers, a little bit lower level, you kind of, they could still be, they should be managing a team. Some Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just, managing a particular piece of the business and uh, and that's it right and they report again it all depends on how big the company is you have marketing specialists again more like junior level they call it marketing specialists just to make it fancy to kind of lure you in lure you into the business better for recruiting if you're called a marketing specialist rather than a junior marketer, right? Uh, If you want to attract top-tier talent, you know, you'd probably want to call a marketing specialist. Or marketing coordinators. These are people that maybe make the administrative decisions related to marketing. You know, maybe setting up little marketing proposals and uh, little presentations and whatnot for the executives really depends depends on it could be anything from handling collateral orders materials getting just a lot of admin tasks that i see from that level maybe they go to trade shows you know they're part of the booth you do the setup it's good for 
a little bit of brand building on the front lines. And it's a fantastic experience. Like, if you want to get started, you'd probably be looking at marketing coordinator, marketing specialist. It's a good way to get involved in the industry. And it's important that you take on all these administrative tasks and you show your willingness to accomplish them and complete them quickly and diligently and efficiently. And it's a good way to kind of move up. But also volunteer to take on more projects and show your strategic edge in your meetings. Say, hey, you know, how about this? Get as many ideas out on the table as possible. Ideas are so important as a marketer because then your your superior will notice that and will get you involved on campaigns and this is important for learning then you've got marketing agencies so a company might hire a marketing agency to handle a bunch of different aspects of the business especially if they don't have the knowledge so it's to fill that knowledge gap marketing agency could have marketing strategists uh, designers that work on the advertising materials, even the product packaging, uh, copywriters, so you've got people handling your content and, and your sales copy. A marketing agency would have these people or they'd find them for you. And then you have the creative directors that maybe handle an entire brand, an entire client. This is the marketing agency done a lot of work with marketing agencies related to brand and social audits, putting together audits. So you might have a bunch of outsourced people working in the agency, right? A lot of people build marketing agencies these days. You see a lot of people teaching how to build marketing agencies. The reason why is because you can be the agency owner and hire all these people, right? You can hire an entire team. You can hire your strategists, designers, copywriters, creative directors. You can hire all these people to work for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to know much. You can hire the salespeople to go after these brands, to lock them down. So it's if you're interested in building businesses, a marketing agency, a digital marketing agency is very easy to do. There's no barrier. You go up to a company and say, hey, how can we build up your business? Very straightforward. And that's really what you might want to consider if you're looking to build a business. Start an agency. You know. I wish I had started an agency when I was in university. It would have been really tremendously helpful because I'd be working for clients while going to school, right? Working for businesses, figuring out all the different pieces of the business by working as like an agency owner, helping them out. Maybe it's on social media and whatnot. Tremendous experience. Anyone that's going into marketing for school should actually, at the same time, try to build an agency. Why not? You're helping out other businesses, start off with small businesses and just plug away there. Tremendous experience. It'll give you way more experience than anything school will teach you. Because then businesses will teach you what they need solved. You almost act like a consultant as well. 
amazing. The sooner you can do that, the better, because it doesn't really matter what your age is these days, right? You can be 17, 16 and build a marketing agency. Like you could be the social media marketing agency and people will come to you because maybe you know everything there is about TikTok, social media platform. Boom. There's your marketing agency. Teach people about it. I don't want to get too off off the uh, structure here, but uh, I do. Sometimes I'll just get off the structure. Unpaid media. Unpaid media. This is the kind of media that I like, right? This is the kind of media that Tesla likes, and it's working out well for them. It's about doing content that doesn't cost anything, right? So blogging, vlogging, like things that don't cost money you put out there to the world. And nowadays, unpaid media is so easy. You set up a YouTube channel and create a bunch of videos. Video marketing, free, throw up some videos. You know, social media is like unpaid media. It's, it's brilliant. You know, unpaid media wasn't as popular back in the day, before it was newspapers, right? Paid media, paid media, you had newspapers, and that was the only way to really get your name out there. Well, now you have online advertising, Facebook ads, Google ads, social media ads across any platform. All social media platforms have an advertising arm so that you can go in, advertise away, paid media. Do I like it? No, because, okay, this is a marketer's perspective. If I'm looking at all the paid media out there, looking at the ads, I can't recall buying something based off of an ad. Mm, If it's on social media unless it's super highly targeted. And that's difficult, that's difficult to really do. But Facebook definitely gives you a lot of the targeting options. For scalability, it's great, but here's where I have an issue, okay, with paid media. A lot of people jump on paid media and they have a crappy product. So everything falls off the wagon. Okay, you might get the click-throughs, you might get impressions, but nobody's buying your product, okay? I see this over and over again because a lot of people running paid ads don't actually have a good product. You know, Apple used to just, <laughs> just used to do a speaking engagement, right? Unpaid, boom, speaking engagement. Huge buzz around the event, right? And that was it. They didn't have to do paid ads. But now I'm seeing so much paid media from Apple, I'm starting to question whether they're making good products anymore. And if I look into it, they probably aren't. Just realistically speaking. Whereas back then, a lot of it was revolutionary. It was innovative. Nowadays, it's incremental improvements. Oh, let's improve the camera. Let's improve the screen quality, but not the physical product. Maybe that's why I'm seeing more paid ads with Apple. Yeah, they have a lot of cash, but they had a lot of cash before too, and they weren't spending money on paid ads. 
This is the difference between Apple's team now and Tesla's team. Tesla does not get involved in paid media, right? They announce an event, Cybertruck event, lots of buzz, boom, unpaid media. The journalists spread the word. The, the potential customers spread the word. They go on the social media platforms. They do all the work for Tesla. That's what you really want. You want that trickle-down effect. You build this amazing platform, amazing product, and then boom. The unpaid media that you do, the little unpaid media that you do, takes care of it all, right? Elon Musk's Twitter feed handles it all for marketing. He announces, hey, little different milestones and whatnot, and that gets the buzz. That gets people talking. I personally believe in unpaid media. I believe that long-term, that's the way to go. If you're starting to see yourself depending on paid media, it means you maybe didn't try hard enough in the unpaid field, or you didn't try hard enough in your product development. I'm just saying that. To be honest, because I've seen so many top brands advertising, and I look at the ad and I'm thinking, you're advertising a product that could be better than it is, but you didn't spend the time. So now you're investing a bunch of money, millions of dollars in paid ads, which you should have used to make a better product. You know, sometimes this works out, but it's so short term. So, you know, I look at like Ty Lopez. He did a paid YouTube ad that went viral about here in my garage. I look at this as the most famous paid ad example of recent times. Ty Lopez around these Lamborghinis. In terms of the craft, it was brilliantly done. I look at the paid media and the content itself as more brilliant than the actual act of the paid ad, but he got his name out there. And the thing is, is Ty Lopez himself kind of feels a little bit scammy, kind of feels a little bit disingenuine. I, I don't feel connected to him as a marketer. He doesn't feel like somebody who's authentic. So whatever he's trying to sell, it might work in the short term. And look, he's probably made millions, so I have nothing against his strategy here. But long term, you know, if you're looking you know, 20, 30 years, is that the way to build a brand? That's a tough one. Because you get a lot of people who are angry. You know, a business that seems to be doing it right is like Dollar Shave Club. They, they've done some innovative paid advertising, they put out a really unique video, and um, it wasn't too expensive cost, and that went viral, right? And they did a little bit of paid advertising. But I also look at that kind of like a hybrid, unpaid slash paid, because the video itself could almost be like a product. It's like a long-term product, and... It's a quality, like it's a quality video, it feels genuine, like I could almost believe in that. But that being said, you know, I'm, 
I haven't bought anything from Dollar Shave Club, but the brand sticks into my mind. So they're doing it right in the sense. You know, all this is good in the sense that there's awareness, right? But I'm just of the belief that awareness and long-term brand value go hand in hand. Not, oh, I just want to get awareness and then crappy products so I don't get any sales. Well, you're not going to get any sales because you don't have a good enough product. Influencers. Influencer marketing, you know, you have... (sighs) The Kardashian family, I think, really started this off with, like, influencer marketing. I I just really kind of made it grow as a concept. I don't want to give credit to the Kardashians, but, you know, they support a brand, right? The whole concept is supporting a brand, and that gets the brand exposure, and then the influencer makes money, right? This is a good concept, if you're maybe a model, if you're an athlete, a celebrity, fitness person, you can be an influencer. You can be an influencer on pretty much any topic. And there's this influx of influencers out there. You can be a micro-influencer where you have a smaller following, right? The main influencers have millions of followers, typically. And then micro-influencers have maybe thousands of followers. And you have this nice little community of engaged people. And I like... I like micro-influencers because they're easier to reach out to and you could you could definitely do a lot with them as well. But if you're a major brand, you go after a main influencer, maybe do a celebrity endorsement with them, you know, get them to talk about your product. Could be amazing exposure. Expensive paid media, but you know, it's an, another way of getting product placement you have social media right which really kind of came into existence around 2000 2003 2004 i mean social connection is like a social network is is really something that's been around ever since the internet if you're engaging between people like you could say two people is a network. <laughs> but like these, this actual platform, right? a website where people go to frequently or an app and they converse with other people. Or at least that's how it was supposed to be. Social media is a lot about broadcasting. But of course, the real crux of social media is, is, is this engagement of the dialogue that happens on these platforms and you know you, back in the day you had friendster and uh, the one that we all know facebook came out around 2005 um, there was myspace way back in the day it was just great for artists it's around 2003, maybe, 2004. Just throwing the years around. I'm pretty sure Facebook was around 2005. Happened when I was around, uh, when I was in high school. I remember it. I remember in science class, Facebook being this big thing. It's funny that I can remember that now. It's such a big, huge platform, and everyone was going on there. And the way it was in 2005 was good dialogue and talking with your friends on this platform and then it evolved right facebook decided to get greedy and they wanted to run 
Facebook ads. So it's kind of shifted, but I mean, they needed to make money somehow. And I mean, that's one way you could also do a membership, but they're trying to get as many people into the platform as possible. So there's Facebook for you, right? And it's one of the biggest platforms in the world. The most users, uh, very, very powerful platform, highly targeted, uh, incredible data insights from Facebook. You can set up a brand page on Facebook. You can start a hairdressing company and get that exposure on Facebook. And, uh, you know, there's the business side of it and there's the personal side of it. I mean, it is the most um, dynamic type of platform in terms of personal and business. And there's just so much to it. It's very robust. I don't see it going away anytime soon, but I also find it difficult to engage on the platform. I find a lot of it's just broadcasting. But you can figure it out. You can figure it out. Put out content that people care about and you can make it work. But be genuine, don't be salesy. You know, on these platforms, it's all about not being salesy. It's about having genuine conversations. Uh, Twitter is a big one. Now, Twitter is actually, uh, it's a short messaging, you know, short sentences. You can talk about what's on your mind, but in a short way, it's, it's almost, uh, like a log of what people are thinking really popular among celebrities journalists public figures they love twitter and um it's a good place to find conversations and just jump into these conversations it's, it's a good place um it's a little bit quicker a little bit more fast-paced right Boom, a little tweet, and then it's gone. You tweet, and you find things by hashtags. It's sort of like the keyword for Twitter. Use hashtags to get your tweet found. Uh, but, you know, once again, it's all about that dialogue. Going onto the search function of Twitter, looking up different keywords related to your brand, and getting in on those conversations, right? A lot of fast food companies trying to humanize their brands by talking like humans. And some some people it kind of turns them off, but I actually think it's a good strategy because that human touch is so important. Instagram, uh, incredible engagement, the photo sharing, and now little little videos going on there you've got IGTV which is a competitor to YouTube for video content Instagram is very powerful and in terms of engagement I think it's one of the best uh, TikTok is probably getting up I think it's passing Instagram but Instagram is here and it's owned by Facebook so between those two platforms. You've got the lion's share of users on social media. Uh, YouTube, which is Google's platform. The video behemoth. 
everyone goes on YouTube to watch something. I look at YouTube being the um like a like a Netflix but even bigger. It's like a cesspool of content of all different types. Anything that you could possibly think of for video content is there. It's just a powerful platform. It's monopolized video as as we know it. It really has. I mean, no other platform wants to take on YouTube and succeed. I mean, there are some that maybe kind of chip away. You have Vimeo, more professional videos, but YouTube really owns it. They own that space. And for a good reason. I mean, they have the bandwidth, and it's Google. Like, they own. But there's just billions of people on there watching every day, minutes and minutes and minutes, hours going by. I like YouTube. I still think that video marketing is good because there's always a bunch of people who are shy and don't want to be in front of the camera. They're too worried about their looks and they're not on the camera. But, you know, you can get onto YouTube and talk about things you know about or just do things, create things, create videos, have fun. You're golden. You are golden. Because... Video is here to stay, right? You can replicate the video. You can um, you can extract the audio, put it onto a podcast. You, you do so much with video. You can screenshot, so you have images for your Instagram feed. Like video is a good foundational piece. You want to stand out, create videos on things that people are searching for and do an incredible job. People will start to notice you. Make the content amazing. But anyone can do it with a camera. It's really easy nowadays. You've got LinkedIn, okay? Professional platform, the professional networking platform for businesses. If you're B2B, business-to-business marketing, the side note, business-to-business marketing is Businesses advertising to businesses, right? Businesses going after businesses. Business to consumer is business going after consumer, right? Maybe you're like an apparel brand and you're going for consumers who might want to buy your t-shirt. That's a differentiation, right? B2B, B2C. So LinkedIn is really great for B2B businesses, a lot of executives on there. I mean, having those dialogues is amazing. A consultant can find um, some amazing client work there. There's LinkedIn groups and getting involved in conversations there. Uh, you know, I still look at all social media like you have to be social. LinkedIn's gotten a bit more spammy, though. And if you want to kind of cut through all of that, create content that matters, as always, and have a dialogue within the content, like people reaching out, but make things that are informative, make things that are educational, make things that are helpful. Um, they have 
LinkedIn ads there, which are great for B2B. And then you got TikTok. Ah, yes, the platform from China that's really taken off in the U.S. It's incredibly popular among the teen, the teens, tweens, the young, the young group. A lot of businesses haven't jumped on here, but you, you could you could do some unique little videos. You can stand out. You can be the agency that matters. You could be the marketer that really stands out here. A lot of dance videos. Uh, it's like little short clips. It's kind of like what Vine was. Vine was like a six-second video sharing app, but this is more. This is more involved, I think, and there's a little bit more to it. You have the music connected to it. You have repeat functions. I don't know. It just seems kind of fun. I hopped on there, did some little narrations and whatnot. It's a good, good little platform. Next one, Pinterest. Pinterest. It's like photo sharing pins. This is really popular among the. Middle-aged, well, not middle-aged, thirty to forty-something moms. Maybe people that are into interior design will <laughs> find some good stuff. But you know, there's good motivational quotes. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff on Pinterest. So if you're going after the female demographic, I really like Pinterest for that. It's a good one. Snapchat. It's a popular one among millennials. It's like we create content and it disappears. That's why they have the little ghost in the app icon. Still popular, but you know what? Ever since Instagram came out with like stories, I see Instagram as basically dominating Snapchat. And Facebook has stories as well. It's like Snapchat's got stories, but how does it compete with those platforms? So it's trying to innovate it has filters. I think that's why it stands out. It has the different filters. It's cute in that sense. Could be worthwhile for businesses. They want to get into that age group. They want to connect with that crowd. Maybe give some behind the scenes sneak peeks. That's a good way to do some Snapchat. And you know what? Not every platform is for everyone, okay? You don't have to be on every platform. So Choose the platform that you're going to stick with, right? Choose the platform that seems to connect with you. And you can build an audience on pretty much any platform, right? The age group, that's like flexible, right? There's some old, older people on TikTok as well. So you can always find an audience through these platforms. But stick with it, right? Be consistent and engage. Engage with people in the community. You've got Quora, it's a Q&A platform. Quora's a good question and answer platform, it's the best. You go on there, you can answer questions, which is great for helping people out, providing advice, or you can ask questions about pretty much anything. And uh, it's a really intelligent community. I see these people on here and they're very intelligent, very popular among startups. it's a very well-designed social media platform. Well, let's talk a little bit more about community. You know, you have um, Q 
community management. You have you have the importance of talking to people who are engaging with you. Everyone that comments, maybe if you're a new business, you should be commenting. If someone comments on your channels, you should also follow up with a comment and have the dialogue and you know talk to them, ask questions. It's just as you would talk to a normal human being. Approach social media that way. And a lot of people kind of give up, right? Oh, the community's not being built quick enough. Community management takes time. It takes time to foster and build. It's not an overnight thing, but if you stick with it, it can work out. Okay. You have marketing and sales, right? These two departments. I see a lot of businesses that keep these departments separated. Mm. I think that's kind of dangerous. Marketing and sales really go hand in hand, right? Marketing wants to know if we're getting sales. If there's no sales, that's a problem. Then marketing can adjust their campaigns. They want to be talking to sales because sales is that front line between customer and acquisition. Now, if you do marketing well enough, you don't even need a sales team. And I know a lot of salespeople are gonna question this, but it's true. If your marketing is amazing enough, the sales will come on their own. You don't need people going out there, making calls, doing stuff like that, right? This is why I look at marketing and sales as like a hand-in-hand thing. It's very important that they collaborate together, that they work together, that they go after customers together, they go after their audience together. Because what if the sales team is very annoying, right? And (laughs) I've seen this time and time again, a salesperson just completely screws up your campaign and you've got to, uh, you got to fix it. You get all these people coming in, you get all this inbound inbound opportunities and a salesperson screws it up because <laughs> they're getting too salesy. You know, this is why you need to work with sales, provide them the right materials, provide them the right content so they can do their job effectively so they don't come off as salesy unless you're, you, you know, you're dealing, at, unless you're at a car dealership, then it's a little different then being salesy is what it's all about. Although Tesla's really changing that dynamic, so uh, you've got branding, you know, anything from logo design, uh, all these little pieces and materials help the sales team do their job if you're going to have a sales team. Uh, Marketing is so important to work with sales because you have the marketing and sales funnels, right? Salesforce being a really powerful platform for tracking your sales efforts. But marketing needs to be looking at that as well and seeing how things are coming through in the pipeline and seeing how their marketing has generated these leads and how these leads have come in. So, I mean, with the branding, you know, uh, you got different collateral. Maybe you have 
business mm-hmm. cards and, and your element in your website, the colors, the look, the feel, all related to the package of the product that you're delivering. Branding is so important because you want to have a consistent messaging across the board. You want to be communicating the same thing across the board. So you want to look at your brand and say, okay, are we speaking the same language across the board or are we confusing to people? Figure all that out. And hey, maybe if you're confusing, maybe just say, hey, like, I'm trying all this different stuff. And that's okay too. But as long as you tell people and you're authentic, that's going to be helpful. You know, you've got marketing research, which is really popular now, where you've got data, data scientists are making up a lot of the marketers today. They're going in and they're taking care of all the analytics behind the scenes. You know, Google Analytics is a tremendous platform for data. YouTube has its basically Google Analytics built in, if you're looking at social media. So marketing research. It's like, how many eyeballs? What's your traffic? How many leads generated? Uh, you've got, uh, you know, conversion rate, click-through rate for email, for landing pages, for ads, conversions, buying. Um, how many people share your content? All of these analytics are tracked behind the scenes. For marketing research it can get very intense so in a marketing research class that i took it became very statistical lots of charts and graphs lots of distribution curves it can get very in-depth maybe that's something for you if you're very analytical uh, customer success is like a customer service type area but i look at it as the important connector with marketing because customer success is about making sure the customer is happy. Well, marketing should be involved in this because a lot of the elements of customer success are marketing elements, right? You want retention. You want a customer to buy again. Well, your, your follow-up, package should be very you know top notch it should be top notch and marketing needs to be involved in this because well it connects with the branding it connects with the messaging it connects with who you are as a human being if all you do is the front facing you know the, the part before you land the client you're missing out on the part after, after you've landed the client, which is a very important aspect of the customer journey. It's about sticking with the customer as they're aging. <laughs> you want to continue with that dialogue. That's really customer success. It's like a succession plan for the customer. Okay, and we do all this marketing and we get the customer, we're done. No figure out what you can do to keep marketing to them afterwards. Maybe you can add on things. Maybe you can cross-sell, upsell. Once you land the client and they're loyal to you, you can do so much with them. 
You don't have to spend as much time trying to get new clients. Once you land that client and they love you, keep that love going. That customer is everything. And you got email marketing, okay? This is email marketing is like the piece that I've been involved in for many, many years. It's not going away. It's communicating by email to your audience. And you own this audience. You own their emails. That's so powerful. To get someone's email now is so powerful because it's so difficult to get an email these days. But if you get someone's email, ooh, and how do you get an email? Well, you have an opt-in list on your website. You get people to sign in or sign up to your newsletter or to get a free content offer, right? And then you nurture them along the way with different email campaigns. Maybe it's like a monthly thing or a weekly thing. You send communications to educate or to encourage them to buy, to sell on there. Don't get too salesy, but nurture them along the way. And you can automate a lot of this now. You can set up templates and how it's sent out at specific dates. It's so much fun. A new lead comes in. Oh, have them go on this five-month campaign where you're just sending this special content to them. Amazing value-packed content. Boom. Golden. Right? Marketing on autopilot. Very powerful stuff. Actually, automation is really important, and automation is most effective around email marketing. So it's good to set up. And a lot of these platforms, MailChimp, Convert, uh, I think ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, all these different platforms, right? You can set up email marketing campaigns. HubSpot, lots of these different platforms set up an email campaign, and let it run. You know, email marketing still has the best returns. You're looking at 44 to 1 return on investment. Spend a dollar, get $44 back if it's an optimized campaign. Like, that's tremendous. For e-commerce, that's wonderful. So it's still here to stay. Um, it's great for like clothing brands too, you know, and send out little discount codes, get people to check out your shopping cart. I mean, yeah, still very much a powerful thing, powerful thing indeed. You know, all of these components are related to small business marketing. You've got basically this new business that no one's heard of. And a lot of the unpaid aspects, the social media in particular, can be tremendous for you. Although even better is doing some outreach and connecting with people who are also related to, related to your field and, and building collaborations. That marketing goes much, much further than, say, trying to build an audience on social media, which can take a bit more time and can be quite discouraging. If you can do some collaborations, you're going to get much more. You're going to inherit an audience that already exists from someone else. Small business marketing could just be like little 
strategies that are localized, maybe you're doing a little bit of advertising around your area, especially if it's brick and mortar. Might want to do some campaigns there. Google reviews are so incredibly important when you're talking about localized businesses, restaurants in particular. Google reviews are everything for restaurants. So then you look up, you know, setting up the Google My Business page. Every mom and pop type shop should be setting up a Google My Business page. It's where you get reviews. And you should make darn sure that you get some good reviews there. It's critical. Critical to the business, to the foot traffic. And that's unpaid. Google reviews, unpaid. Unpaid media. Because <laughs> it exists. People want to know what kind of restaurant you are. They want to know how good you are. So they want to check you out. And they'll Google you. Find out what kind of reviews you've got. If you got anything less than a four, well, four out of five or less, I mean, that's, that's pushing it. It means you got some work to do. It means you got to work on that product development. You got to improve that product. You know, I've talked about blogging, which is writing content on websites. It's writing, you could do long-form content, short-form content. Google will rank long-form content much higher, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do short-form content. You can blog any way that you like, any way that feels authentic to you, right? Instagram, you can essentially do a post, and in your, in your caption, you can write, a blog, a blog length, massive paragraph if you really want to. I mean, anything related to writing can be like blogging, documenting your day, documenting the business, documenting how-tos, listicles, top tens, anything that you can think of. And vlogging is the video format of this. It's talking about your day in terms... And what we're talking about your day, I mean... That's how vlogging's really known. But, you know, I, I, listicles, I guess, could fall under the vlogging category. YouTube's really the hub for vlogging. I mean, where else are you going to put your video content to make it stand out? Facebook, certainly, you could put some video content there. I mean, video content just gets more engagement. So, it's a good thing to, to create. I've got a siren going on in the background here. People can probably hear it, but the show must go on. The next one's affiliate marketing. So you look at affiliate marketing and say, okay, there's a product, right? There's a product that I like. I'm going to endorse that product. I'm going to promote that product on my website. And now I'm essentially an affiliate marketer. A lot of affiliate marketers are like salespeople. I have like a love-hate relationship with affiliate marketing. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. I think, sure, you're providing good advice and, oh, here's a link below. If you want to check out more about maybe a book that I read or tools that I use or equipment that I use. I mean, that seems fine to me. But then it's like, check out this course, buy this course. 
and get 30% off now. I, it's like more in your face. And it's like, deep down, do you really believe in that product? Those are the people I want to like the sleazy salespeople that go into affiliate marketing. I like the ones that are just genuine, like, hey, these are the things that I check out. Like, for instance, on my website, like, I've built it out so that, like, I've got, like, top 100 books, and I've written it into an, an article, and it's not really in your face, but you can find it in, like, my lab area where I do experiments and stuff, and if you click on the link and check out a book that maybe interests you, and you buy it, then I get, like, a little commission off of it, but I'm not pushing it, I'm not pushing it at all but it's there right it's there it exists and people want to check it out they can but i'm not forcing it in front of people but a lot of affiliate marketers do and this is a problem i have with them i think it should be genuine like all marketing and some people i look at leo babauta of zen habits he is a blogger he writes a ton of content he used to have affiliate marketing, but he closed it down. So he would make like commissions if somebody bought perhaps his books or they bought something that he recommended, but he kind of closed it down. Uh, understandably, right? It's not for everyone, but it's a good opportunity. For instance, say you are obsessed with fitness, okay? First and foremost, you should be obsessed about the thing about this niche well you set up a fitness business and set up a fitness website and start exercising and you know just be like hey you know what i'm in incredible shape here is a product that i use which helps me be in this incredible shape and you know here it is check it out take it or leave it and you know the person's credible because they're clearly a fitness addict and they've got these products that they're recommending. I'm fine with all that. Yeah, I'm definitely fine with all that. Like, that feels a little bit better. It's not like, buy this protein shake and lose 100 pounds. Like, you know, they're not making false promises. They're just being genuine, endorsing products that they like. Like an influencer who's an affiliate marketer. It kind of goes hand in hand right there. So... That's an aspect, affiliate marketing. Okay, keyword research, Google Trends. Okay, you're thinking about a niche, right? You, you want to start something. Oh, maybe you want to start a, let's see, you want to start a Pokemon, you want to start a Pokemon gaming channel. Well, you know, a good way to figure out if people are talking about Pokemon, is go to Google Trends, type in Pokemon, see how it's trending. And this just came off the top of my head, okay? It could be anything. Throw in the Pokemon keyword, see how it's trending over time on the graph, right? You can see how things are going. You can decide whether if the popularity is there to warrant opportunities. Um, in the Google Trends analysis, you do the search, you can see the queries, you can see what's rising, you can see breakout trends, you can really break it down, see, oh, maybe you can get more specific. Oh, maybe it's the Squirtle Pokemon. The Squirtle Pokemon is the one I should talk about. And I should do a blog all about Squirtle the Pokemon, because people are talking about it. And there's an audience. There you go. 
there's other keyword research tools out there. You can just Google it, keyword research tools, and they'll come up. But Google really owns it. Another one that's highly undervalued is go to YouTube on search, type in a keyword that you're interested in, right? Start typing in marketing as an example, and you'll see all the different drop downs. You see marketing 101, marketing strategies, marketing small business. Those are keywords that people are searching for, they're interested in. Those are videos you should consider making or topics you should consider getting in there. Like marketing 101 is one of the top ranked ones. Well, maybe educating people on marketing would be something of value because it's popular. People are talking about it. Highly undervalued. YouTube is a tremendous place to find what people are searching for, especially if you're looking at doing a video channel. Uh, Google search. Okay. Google search. People are catching on a little bit more here, but still it's the one to go for. Go on Google search, type it in, and it'll give you recommendations based on what you're searching for, opportunities for searching things out. Uh, for starting a niche there, but I'm going to take this a step further, like go into like a private browsing mode and then search on Google because Google remembers what you've searched. So it'll recommend things you've already searched for. So it becomes biased. It, it adjusts based on what you've already searched for. So to fix that, to make your keyword research accurate and unbiased, you need to go into a private browsing mode and then search that way, okay? That's important. A lot of people don't talk about that. They just search and, oh, look at those. Marketing is so popular. That's because you've searched for it already. But what happens if you go into incognito? What does it talk about? It's important. Important to recognize the differentiation there. Um, yeah, lots of tools out there. Uh, you can you can get content ideas off of keyword research, ideas for topics to talk about next. It's very valuable. Uh, I mentioned I think inbound maybe outbound marketing. So you have inbound marketing and outbound marketing. Okay, inbound is people coming to you. Outbound is you going to people. That's really it. Okay. That's how it works. So inbound is something like you've created a blog post and there's a link to your website at the bottom. People click that link to your website and they go to your website. That's inbound. Okay. That's valuable. I like that. That's the way to do it. Okay. It's having people come to you. That's way better. What would you rather have? People coming to you or you having to get off your bum and go to people. I mean, what sounds easier to you? Inbound, okay? But there is a place for outbound. Especially when you're starting out, um, outbound is an opportunity. Especially if you have a remarkable product. So you have a product that you think people will love. Okay, then I can see why you maybe want to do it outbound. You want to tell people about the product. So you, you gather an audience and you reach out to them. Maybe it's by email. Maybe it's you reaching out on social media, doing some DMs, okay? DMs, direct messages. You 
connecting with that person, okay? That's outbound. That's you going out there. You going, you going after it. Kind of like outbound sales in a sense. You going after it. Um, yeah. I don't know as much about, to be honest, I don't know as much about outbound because I'm all about inbound, okay? That's that's where I live, breathe, and die. <laughs> I don't really do too much outbounds. And I'm not, I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's tough. It's not, it's not the way to do it. Um, Seth Godin came, Seth Godin is an amazing marketer, okay? And he kind of coined the term permission-based marketing, where you have permission to have the dialogue with someone, okay? And that usually is a result of inbound marketing, okay? That usually comes about because somebody checked you out. Somebody came to you, and they gave you permission to talk to them. That's really what that's all about. Outbound is you getting in front of others, okay? I guess you could look at um, you know, like emailing slightly warmly uh, emailing cold leads is kind of like outbound marketing and it can work but you better have something good to say okay that's all I'm going to say about that but you know, think about how people can come to you Think about that in your, as you're thinking about marketing campaigns, thinking about how people can come to you. That's so important. Your audience. Your audience is so important, okay? It really is. I would add a C to the four Ps, and it's customer. It's analyzing your customer to the point where you know where they sleep at night. I mean, this is where like psychographics, demographics come into play, you know, understanding behaviors, interests. Understanding your audience is so critical. Once you have an audience, it's so critical. And, and maybe when you're getting going, you don't know what your audience is. So maybe don't quite define it as clearly yet. But once you've discovered your audience you know drill into who they are what they're all about and do everything you can for them they are the people who will buy from you so do everything you can for them reviews and reputation ah uh, yes i talked about google reviews Let's talk about Amazon reviews. I mean, say for e-commerce, you want to have books out there. You want to have products, merchandise. You want to have good reviews for those too, for reputation. It's really helpful. There's always a coin to this, right? There's always a coin. There's the other side of the coin, okay? You can have like the worst reviews, right? And that'll generate some sort of buzz. Let's look at a movie like the room with uh, that guy i don't know what his name is right now off the top of my head but anyway it's rated uh, tom, tommy wiseau 
Tommy Wiseau made this movie, The Room. <laughs> it's, it's rated as one of the worst movies of all time, but has a cult following. <laughs> so bad reputation can be tremendous for you as well. Interesting. Interesting how a bad reputation could perhaps give you press. And the good press is good press, and bad press is good press too. I mean, I could I could see that. I could see that. Um, I still look at it as always short term, right? In X amount of years, who's really going to care about Tommy Wiseau? It's like, but you know, people are talking. Reviews and reputation are so important. Facebook has a reviews platform. A lot of these places have reviews, reputation. You can ask for customer reviews. You can do an outreach, ask them what they think. This is where like an ad net promoter score comes in where you're getting feedback. How can we improve? Would you recommend us? Sentiment analysis. Okay, sentiment analysis is actually really fascinating. It's looking at positive, neutral, and negative comments about your brand and categorizing them. Oh, uh, our brand is picking up 67% positive. That's awesome. How can we get it to 70? So can we have positive conversations? Well, your campaigns are a reflection of this. Are your campaigns bringing a positive impression? You know, and that's what you want. You want to have a positive impression, then you go for it. You make a campaign that's maybe feel good, that isn't controversial, but um, brings brings to light some positive themes. Okay, and then you can have better sentiment. Because you want the dialogue and the engagement to be positive, perhaps, if that's your objective. You can also go after, well, I don't know why you go after negative. I mean, we're talking about brand building here, not <laughs> destroying the brand. But uh, positive is really important. I talked about the sales and marketing funnel process, okay? Let's go into it a little bit more. The little sections. At the beginning, you have perhaps a free item that you're giving. This free item is like the top of your funnel. Okay, that's your top, your top like unqualified leads. People will come in, they'll get the, the unqualified leads are before they check out the funnel. Qualified is, oh, they've, um, they've landed on it. Then marketing qualified, you've sort of, had the dialogue and they're still interested. And you have, you know, like closed, it's like all the way to a closed one deal, right? That's sort of the funnel, how you're trying to get through this. And at the beginning, you want as many leads as possible at the top of the funnel so that you can kind of bring them through and nurture them, okay? Nurturing campaigns. A lot of people don't track the marketing funnel. They just track like sales. Ooh. Closed, closed one, closed lost, and qualified. It's like, do we send them a proposal? But way above that, it's like your content offer. Um, 
your next content offer, your more premium content offer, your your education approach to nurturing the lead. That's that's like the good marketing funnels, taking them along this journey before they're even buying yet, before they're even having a dialogue about sales, about products. That's what you really want to go after. So build those funnels per se, and the less funnily, <laughs> that's even a word, the less funnily you make it, the more genuine it all seems to be, right? Like sign up now and get this free 30-day course. I don't know. Don't make it too pushy. Don't make that landing page scammy. Just try to be genuine. Hey, interesting. Interesting that you read this entire blog post. Follow along for more if if you're interested in more articles, more content, you know, submit your email or whatnot. I mean, it's good. It's a little bit less in your face. A lot of people put up these, like, start of funnel pop-ups, and they're, they just drive me crazy. But, you know, they're so popular that people still do them. Platforms for CRM. I mentioned Salesforce. Uh, so CRM is like customer relationship management. It's really keeping track of all the customers and all the opportunities that you have in the world for these people to be your customers. You've got Pardot, which is a component of Salesforce. Um, it's a good way to manage marketing leads, to add scores to the leads, and to build different automation campaigns through there. Um, other platforms like Pipedrive, I'm, this is getting into more sales, but you know, I look at all different touch points as important for marketing. Um, but you know, if you're just getting started, a uh, nice good old spreadsheet, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, a spreadsheet, why not? I mean, a spreadsheet, Excel or Google Sheets, can give you everything that you need. You can have your name, email, last contacted, uh, website, notes. Have it all in the spreadsheet. Have different conditional formatting. So, oh, we need to contact this person. You have it rise up to the top of the list. You do everything on a spreadsheet. And when you're getting started, don't get too fancy. I have worked on Salesforce implementations. I've worked on other CRM implementations. It is, to say the least, a nightmare. And not an easy task. Both in terms of coaching your team, both in terms of implementation, both in terms of uh, on and on and on cost, price, affordability. I mean, a Google sheet is free you can set up a google sheet and you're good but this other thing this this massive platform can be very complex but there are simple ones there's insightly and pipe drive like those are simple to get started you can get started right away salesforce has a little bit more involvement 
And if you're big enough, you might need it, right? You might need to develop. You might need to spend the money to implement. In that case, go for it. But be patient because training is not an overnight thing. Some new things, AR, VR, live, live, yes. Uh, AR, augmented reality. So it's like placing objects on top of objects in a, in a, virtu- in a digital manner. So you can like go into a room and put furniture in it. Like I can dress my apartment with furniture and map it all out before I'm buying something. So that's like AR. We're still figuring this out. We're still figuring out how to use this. We haven't figured it out quite yet. But things like iPads and iPhones and tablets and whatnot have these cameras that are now giving you augmented reality tools so you can place things and do an analysis. VR, virtual reality. Virtual reality is like really big in the gaming, okay? And it's where you've got this camera and, well, I mean, you got this phone, right? And you set it up with your, um, it gives you like an immersive view of the world, of this digital world, and puts you into a virtual reality where I could see us living in in the next 50 years. All of us are just going to be hooked up to these headsets because life won't be as nice so we're just going to be hooked up to all of this so we can escape into the virtual world this is really popular among gaming um, among other just anyone that wants to get into an immersive situation it's quite popular so how does this all work for marketers well you can do some advertising on these platforms you can well, AR in itself is a wonderful experience. It's like experiential marketing, okay? It's putting you in the place of the purchasing involvement. It's getting you involved into the situation, okay? It's getting you involved in the whole process in a very intimate manner. That's why augmented reality is very powerful, especially for furniture businesses. It's so powerful. VR for gaming and you can do little product ads it's just because it's so more it's so much more immersive it'll stick with you more that experience in itself it's why marketers should take notice I talk about live right again this immersion yeah you do streaming and whatnot gaming streaming is really popular where you can go live and talk about things live, Facebook live, YouTube live, off the cuff, right? You can do live chats and stuff. And it's all about building that in the now, in that real time feel, right? You have Q and A's on YouTube, answer questions for people. Do two, like a two, like a split screen interview and having these dialogues is so powerful. I want to go to, into vir, virality. Going viral, okay? Going viral. Um, you want to create content and you want it to go viral, okay? Everyone wants it to go viral. 
that's where that's why we're all here okay we're all here to market something and <laughs> hope it goes by i mean if it goes viral that's awesome i wouldn't aim for it but i want you to think about a few elements okay first um there's this woman that did a ted talk about going viral and i was absolutely obsessed with it and she hit the nail on the head and it's essentially when you're trying to create content look at shock value which is like awe look at humor or amusement look at anger or like outrage those elements are typically within a viral campaign okay if you have those three elements so awe amusement anger you've got yourself potential for viral content awe amusement anger okay and you can have maybe one of the three and that could work so you could do something so awe-inspiring that people are going to share your content the goal is shareability right you want to do something that's so incredible that people share with others that's awe it's, it's making it well any of these elements but awe so incredible it could be so crazy these are like emotions right you're evoking emotions in your content and this is so important a lot of people i notice i've gone on youtube and i've watched a lot of content spent a lot of time i've gone on to blogs i've read a lot of content a lot of it is garbage it's just not good enough because the elements haven't been followed there, there's no awe to it there's no amusement to it there's no anger there, there's nothing to it there's no meat to it right amusement like it helps to be humorous like even if you're doing something serious it helps to you know talk about squirtle and pokemon okay to show that you're a real human being and having a little bit of amusement now and then is perfectly fine it's how you're going to make it a little bit better anger um, oh well amusement makes things human okay it puts people at ease okay and humor is not easy right it's not easy to craft it's not easy to construct that but um it can be really helpful anger if you spark some sort of outrage especially with this outrage culture then you've got yourself some some dynamite you've got some dynamite material here angering people is not really something that i prefer but i also like to look at like is it something controversial that can be helpful and you can talk about political news and that's obviously going to spark some outrage with some people um maybe it's just something that's so awe-inspiring that people get angry because they can't do it themselves boom you got those two, right? Uh, maybe it's like a children's book that's so amazing. People are jealous that you can draw. It's contra. It's it angers them. You get some people that are just angry. Oh, I wish I could draw like that, and they're ang. They're frustrated, right? These emotions, and it gets people to share. Oh, I wish I could draw like that. I'm gonna send this to other people. 
so funny. Um, Trump is a good example. <laughs> so Donald Trump is someone that's like, ah, uh, like, ah, uh, as in he's awe to like what's going on to a lot of people, but then other people he's just like, whoa, he's amazing. He's so in your face. I love it. You got half the half the world that's for him and half the world against. It's just the way it is with politicians, basically choosing sides. But uh, what I find interesting about Trump is he's amusing too. He he's kind of a character. Um, he's actually kind of funny too, and I think that's really helpful to be kind of a character and it kind of makes him a human being in a sense and you really get into it he's really silly in a lot of aspects and that's appealing um and he's really hit the nail on the head on anger i mean he really has he's chosen a side which angers half the population and um, this outrage is sparking so much in terms of shareability. Mm, getting viral. So start thinking about how you can get viral. Think about the content that you've thought about putting out there. Think about the product that you've developed. How do you make it remarkable? And then how do you make it viral? things to think about I want to keep going with going viral because I think it's so critical I came across another thing from BuzzFeed which is cultural cartography okay this just kind of goes into it even more in depth BuzzFeed is a fantastic magazine well I don't read it but it, it's kind of like more liberal based and uh, the content is very well put together and they look at their content creation in terms of a very structured organization okay and Basically, I'm just going to break it down for you. Um, sort of just kind of goes further into those awe, amusement, anger categories and talking more about emotion, but let's look at this. Um, let's look at a few of them. Uh, you've got content that makes me laugh okay so they look at content you know does it make me laugh again humor does it help me connect with another person connection people want to connect people want to feel like humanity is there humanity exists and it's good to be a part of it to be involved that's important Um, does it teach me something? Does it 
does it educate? Does it help me experience what you've learned? Education, it's important. Does it make me feel good? Is there empathy? This is a customer coming to you, and this is how they should be feeling. Do, do they need it? Do, do I need this? Is this useful to me? This is where remarkable products come into play, right? If it's useful, then people will go for it. Is there authenticity? Are you real? Okay. More than ever, being honest and authentic, so important. Um, this is me. You tap into the identity of somebody. You really tap into your audience. This is where audience is so important. You tap into the audience, and the audience is like, yes, this is me. 100% agree. And I'm proud of this. I'm proud of this identity. So you're connecting about this. BuzzFeed really gets all this. And they look at these elements, though, when they're crafting their content so that they can create content that resonates across this, what they call a cultural cartography. So laugh. This is me, identity. Um, connection. This is us. Um, another one, blow your mind. This is it wows, right? Awe. We talk about awe. Real. Truth. Knowledge. Education. Teaching. And then uh, goals. You can do this. You can you can do this. This is you. Like this empowers you. Empowerment's so important. Empathy. Need. Usefulness. We're talking about emotions here. We're talking about subject matter that really resonates with people. That's where you're going to get. You're going to get the meat. You're going to get the meat of the people checking you out and sharing. That's what you want. So hopefully that helps for going viral. Uh, marketing being taught in schools and universities. Uh, you know, in high school, I never went into marketing. I never, I never went into any business classes in high school. Actually, I was supposed to be an engineer. And... That never happened. Instead, I went into business. And uh, business is quite practical. It makes sense. It's a good field to go into. It's better than li liberal arts or like a gender studies course. Uh, you'll find much more value if you get a degree in a business department. It's like finance, accounting, marketing, right? So you can choose all of this later on in your four years of university education. For marketing, you don't have to choose that in the first year or even the second year. Third year is where you can just start considering marketing. It has no reflection on what courses you choose, at least at the university I went to. 
You don't even get into marketing until later. It would be helpful if you did at least a marketing 101 course quite soon, and you can at least get another idea. But the con there is that they will teach you theory, and a lot of people don't like theory. It's dry, it's not exciting, and you're reading a textbook for hours on end. It's not fun, and you're doing exams based on the textbook. It's not practical. Okay? That's marketing 101. And that drives many people away. You need to be determined to get past that because I'm going to tell you the third and fourth years get better. They're more fun. You will enjoy it more. It's more practical. It's the way marketing should be. That's university. That's the way a university is structured. They want to weed out people who don't want to be there. Okay? And most people don't want to be there. <laughs> so, uh, that, in a sense, I look at that as like a pro. Well, the people who don't really want to be marketers will be weeded out. But, I mean, you can become a, mar you can become a marketer without going to university, okay? Especially with social media. Social media marketers. I didn't even learn social media in school. And okay, my university years were 2007 to 2011, okay? I went to school for marketing four years to get my bachelor's in marketing. And I didn't uh, learn anything about social media. <laughs> social media came out in 2005, 2006. Nothing was talked about even up to 2011, not one course on social media. Tragic. Not one course on taking a passion of yours and sharing it with the world. Not one course. Or not one course on running paid ads. <laughs> not one course on launching a business and sharing it with the world. Any business. Not one course. A little bit of cons there. But you don't go to university for that. You go there for connecting with others who are also interested in marketing. You build maybe uh, a group of people, of friends, although I didn't do a very good job at this. Um, I found myself quite isolated in university. I didn't connect. It was very depressing. It felt like a prison. But... If you do it right, you can get involved with people who can help you in your career. And those connections can live for very long if you do that, if you follow along. So universities foster that. And they give you a good foundation, okay? They give you a good knowledge, a good base knowledge to pretty much set you up, right? After I graduated, I did some freelance marketing and then I got a job as a marketing manager. This helped structure my marketing career, set me up perfectly. And then I learned all the inner workings of a corporation. I worked as a marketing manager for multiple years. All of this happened because I had a marketing degree, okay? It happened because of that. It helped me get in the door. But if you don't have a marketing degree, here's another option. You can prove you're a good marketer by getting results. 
go to some small businesses, do marketing for them, market their stuff, market their products and services, prove that you're a good marketer. Boom, there's your resume. Don't need a don't need a degree for that. And at the top of your resume, you put results and you put revenue helped helped generate X dollars for revenue, helped generate number of leads, number of qualified leads, helped increase conversions, helped click-through rate, helped everything, like every little detail you can find numbers-wise. That is going to be more tremendous for your resume than just a degree. But a degree will get you in the door for sure. Marketing will teach you, uh, the marketing degree will teach you or educate you on all the different topics I just mentioned. And actually, not all the topics. It, or the university will miss a lot of the topics. Because your last two years is when you really get into marketing. First two years, you choose a bunch of different courses. You know, you do some sciences courses, English courses, arts courses, a bunch of different things to, to round you out, right? To season you, to put the salt and pepper on you, to give you the knowledge around a number of different areas. That's how it works. And, you know, it helps you identify your passion for sure, but you can do that on a much cheaper, more economical scale before you go to the university. Just study those things online. Look them up. See if they pique an interest for you. So if you're looking to get into a corporation, though, the marketing degree will help. It is helpful. It gives you the theories. gives you the foundation. Last couple of years, more practical, right? Okay, I actually got to work with a couple businesses. I worked with a restaurant. I helped them figure out what days they can improve their web traffic or their foot traffic to get more customers in, what kind of promotions they could run, what times of the day. I helped set that up for them. That was a good experience that I learned in my fourth year. I wish that experience happened in my first year, and it didn't. That should have been part of the marketing 101 course, but it wasn't. There are course courses that will not cover things. You won't learn about AR, VR in university. It'll be very tough to find a course on it. It'll be tough to find a course on influencer marketing. It'll be tough to find um, new age materials online. So your goal should be, if you understand that now, is to just connect with others and master the theory. That will set you up for a good marketing coordinator role, marketing specialist role. It'll at least give you the education to help maybe start a business for you. It'll help give you that knowledge, which is important. I can't wholeheartedly recommend it though, especially at like an Ivy League school. It wouldn't make, it'd be tough for me to honestly recommend going there. But if you have the money, you have the time and the patience and the discipline, do it, go for it. Sure, why not? 
And that's the thing about university. It does teach you discipline. Can you be disciplined enough on your own? If you can't, maybe you need university. And go for it. I want to leave you with a practice test that I wish I had when I was 18 going to university. And it's this. I want you to launch a remarkable idea in 24 hours. That's right, 24 hours. We need to build something simple, simple product. Call this the minimum, vi minimum viable product, MVP, in the startup world. Could be a drawing, a short story, an e-commerce um, clothing store. You can set that up easily through Shopify, through WooCommerce, which is part of WordPress. Who is your audience? I want you to think about the thing that you've been waiting to do for the, your entire life. I want you to think about that. You just, you're fearing the idea of starting. I want you to start that in 24 hours. I want you to, I want you to give this a try. Who is your audience? Let's look at an at a product example. Simple, so simple. You draw a dog, okay? You have a dog drawing somewhere, okay? You can sell stickers, okay? An easy platform would be Redbubble, but there's other ones. Society6. Um, anyway, Redbubble, you can sell stickers there. This is a good one. Take your dog, your puppy, maybe let's say it's a German Shepherd dog that you drew. You can upload that artwork, put it on Redbubble. In 24 hours, in one hour, you can have your Redbubble profile and you can have it on stickers. Let's do that, right? Cool. Like, this is fun. This is supposed to be fun. This is just an example, too. But choose something simple. So let's just do that. With the product down, um, and the placement down, you know, how are you going to advertise? Well, you're going to look at the group of your audience, right? Your audience is people who love German Shepherds. German Shepherd's not buying your sticker, okay? German Shepherd is not online. So you're not selling German Shepherds. So stop looking up videos of dogs. What you want to do is find your audience of dog lovers. Well, actually, that would be videos of dogs. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't binge watch on the uh, dog watching. The, the people who are your audience are in the comments and the people who are posting these videos. But look for your community, right? You can look on Facebook groups. You can look on... You can look on, on Reddit. Oh, I forgot to mention Reddit for social media. Reddit's like for, well, it's primarily mail-based. It's like the mail-based option for social media. A lot of men on there, very popular among the gaming community. But yeah, Reddit is an example. You know, go and find a dog lover community there. Go on Twitter see where the dog conversations are happening and uh, this is your marketing practice 
talk to your community. Have the dialogue. Discuss, 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 discuss. Until someone says, hey, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a sticker. I love what you're doing. So what you want to do when you're setting this all up is that you have links to wherever it is your platform is. Okay. Just a sec. I'm just going to check my... had to make sure that my battery didn't die or something. You know, I'm just recording this on my phone. Nothing too fancy. Doesn't have to be fancy, but same with your stickers. Doesn't have to be fancy. So figure out, like, is it your social media strategy? Are you going to do some email outreach? Are you going to run ads? I mean, you could do a number of different things. You can talk to the rest of the community on Redbubble, have conversations with other dog lovers. You can start creating videos about German Shepherds. Throw them up on YouTube. How are you going to advertise? Figure out. Connect with your audience. Maybe figure out some influencers. 50 influencers you can reach out to. Reach out to them. Okay? link to this Redbubble thing. Okay, this is super easy because you're not setting up a website, right? You're just literally setting up like a Redbubble account for stickers. You're just like no effort involved whatsoever. Your, your goal here is to see how much money you can make selling the product. It, you can either track sales, profits, you name. Let's look at, let's look at sales. I feel like that's more important. Well, I, Mm, that's a tough one because mm, you could spend like a hundred dollars and make a hundred dollars that's not really fair how about like profitability how much money at the end of this can you make set a goal go for it do as much marketing as you see fit look at all the different marketing channels choose the ones that make sense and go for it do this activity. See how much money you can make. This helps build yourself up as an entrepreneur, helps build you as a marketer. It's like a 24-hour challenge. You know, first two hours, you should have product developed and launched. It's really that simple. Maybe you want to spend a little bit more. Maybe you want to spend the first 10 hours. Maybe you want to do a short story. Write a short story. Throw it up on Amazon. Throw it up somewhere for free. Or, you know, as a as a gateway to the next thing, which is maybe a higher value product. And choose like an item, launch it, share it with the world. Simple. Product, launch, share. Launching is half the battle, right? And telling people that something exists is uh, the other part of it, but, you know, launching it. Sharing it with the world. You have to get over that fear. In marketing, it's all about experimentation, testing, seeing what works. You never know. Something might work. Give it a try. You don't know unless you try. 
Do you want to be a high value sticker? Maybe you want to make it a luxury sticker. But if you're competing, look at your competitors, right? Competitors are charging like $3. Think about your strategy, right? What makes sense? Maybe you want to be a little bit more expensive because your drawing is so much better and you could justify it. Think about the product placement price promotion. What's that thing? Like, what's that thing? Maybe you've got like a yoga studio and you're thinking service. You can start this service 24 hours. You've got a phone, connections, reach out to people who could go and join in for your yoga class. Do like a disco yoga thing. Seen countless 24 hour challenges about this. You know, the most important thing is to make marketing fun, okay? If it's not fun, you're not gonna do it. So make it fun, make it something that you can enjoy. Last thing I didn't talk about was podcasting, which, okay, I'm creating this right now. Let's talk about what I'm doing here. What I've just done here is I've created a simple video, which I'm going to extract the audio. It's now going to be a podcast, audio, audio content. People can listen to me from anywhere. They can hear the soothing sound of my voice and fall asleep to me, learn anything that they want about marketing. And, uh, Maybe check out all the things that I'm doing and click through and find me out. That's podcasting. Anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. Super simple. You have an audio recorder through your phone. Your laptop can record audio. Or you can get a nice little microphone. Make it better for audio. And share it with the world. Tell talk and share it see if people resonate with what you're doing some people will some people won't but podcasting is really really powerful so give that a try i don't see that going around either people will always be able to listen anywhere they are video is a little bit more challenging because you can't really watch video everywhere but um, eventually, you'll be able to do that. You'll have screens everywhere. Mobile is so powerful. Well, I think I've given a lot here. I think I'm going to wrap this up. I hope this was informative, educational. If you liked this, share it with others, I guess, if you'd like. If you didn't, um... I'll cry, but I'll get over it. And anyway, I like this. I like talking. <laughs> and I like talking about marketing because I think there's a lot of people out there who have something that they're interested in doing and they don't know where to start. So you start with this 24 hour start challenge. <laughs> start. Just. Take all this that I've talked about, see what resonates with you. Be like, hey, you know what? I'm introverted. I could do it with the social media though. Like that's for me. I could start doing that. Get into this daily rhythm of launching things. In itself, I'm launching a product right now. This video is essentially a product. The audio is a product. I'm giving it all away for free, but why not? 
Don't be bashful. Put yourself out there. That's what marketing is all about. And even if you are the ugliest person in the world, it doesn't matter. That's a, that's a mindset shift that you need to adjust. You are probably thinking, well, I don't know where to start or like I'm doing all these different things and it's not working. Look at what you're doing. See if you can improve. See what others are doing and become self-aware of what it is you're doing. and Decide if what you're doing is good enough. This might not be good enough for some people. And other people, this might be more than enough education for them to say, hey, I don't need university anymore. I'm good. Like, it just depends. There's an audience for everything, though. That's the brilliance of marketing. But you have to put yourself out there. See what clicks and go for it. So, yeah, I want to thank you for tuning in, connecting, and communicating, and hopefully you can launch something in 24 hours. Yeah, marketing is, is an interesting field. I think everyone would be best served to understand marketing and sales, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs people who want to get out of their jobs who want to escape the nine to five they need to understand marketing okay and not marketing as many know but marketing as the authentic genuine connecting and community engagement among others building an audience that cares that's what matters and sharing your story with the world is marketing Okay, that's a wrap. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. That was fun. Just doing a little dance here. That's probably one of my longest single clip efforts here. Okay. Good job, everyone. Bye.